Every doctor has a minimum of 19 years of education, $189,000 spent to procure it. Most doctors work on average 12 hours a day and 59.6 hours per week. A hospitalist walks five miles a day. They will see between 40,000 and 250,000 patients in their career, spending 5.9 hours documenting their visits. So needless to say, doctors are tired. These are their stories. Welcome to Tired Doctors Talking, a podcast with lovely ladies Marguerite and Monique, two medical doctors with melanin discussing morbidity and mortality when we do. Um, <laughs> when we do is the key, because we're doing it today. We are. It's been a minute. It has. And we're doing it today. Hello. Hello, old friend. How are yes, you? Yes, I am I fun. you. Literally yeah. haven't seen your face in a little while. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. My my very, very pockmarked face because of the topic we're talking about today. Oh man. Yeah. That's it's serious. It is oh my gods. It is so it is so bad right now. It is serious. So we're talking about booby juice. Yes. If you say it three times fast. Booby juice, booby juice, booby juice. <laughs> Beetlejuice's <laughs> feminist cousin. We'll jump out of the closet. And yes. and then like squirt you in the eye with her milk. <laughs> like, wah! So, you know, there was this, speaking of squirting people in the eye with milk, when I was breastfeeding, Aisha sent me like a link to a British um, newspaper about mm-hmm. a woman who squirted someone with, with breast milk when they like verbally accosted her for breastfeeding in public. Nice! It's just like aimed and <laughs> which I thought was just perfect. Wait a second. I'm actually gonna get a delivery of said person to to do the thing that we are talking about. Because she immediately stopped crying when I walked in when you know when she they got do into the room. To eat. Yeah, they do. So um in case someone is a tad bit slow in the pickup, we're talking about breastfeeding today. We are. <laughs> Breast beating, booby juice. Yes, breast milk. Yeah. Um, liquid gold, as they call it. Yeah, you know. Do you know it is very good for eye infections? I did. I did know. I did know that it was good for eye infections. Yeah, I I evidently was a kid with really gross eyes. Um. Yeah, I had like a lot of styes <laughs> and stuff. Uh-huh. I just was like, my mom was like, your eyes were just nasty. Like you could just always crust it over. And um, after my uh, brother was born, because uh, she'd been taking me to the pediatrician, and they had me doing heat compresses and all mm-hmm. sorts of ointments and stuff. And after my brother was born, she used to just hold me down and squirt breast milk in my eyes. And, and it works. It, it all worked. It cleared it all up. So, yeah, evidently I was a kid with really gross eyes. So, what experience did you have with breastfeeding or learning about lactation in medical school or residency? Did you have any? Oh, gosh. So, I'm an internist. So, Mm -hmm. we shy away from all things woman. 
mm-hmm. that do not have to do with uh, renin or mm. <laughs> pro BNP. <laughs> so, um, I actually did give, um, when I was a third year resident, I did give a lunch lecture on breast health because I that was like a little soapbox that I had. Nice. Um, but no, as an internist, we don't really talk about breastfeeding outside of if a woman is breastfeeding and you have to prescribe her medication, you know, call the pharmacist, look it up in Micromedex, mm-hmm. see if it's something that she can take, um, and then say, like, I don't really know, you know, in the end. <laughs> um, how about so, you as a family practice doctor? So as a family practice doc, I who loves doing OB, I actually took some time out in medical school and residency to hang out with our lactation consultants and actually had a whole rotation with them. So I learned, uh, I thought a lot. I thought I learned a lot. Like I could tell you how to do the different holds. I could, you know, talk to people about expression, about hand expression. I could talk to you about like, you know, timing and how to make sure your production stays great. Like I knew how to counsel people about breastfeeding and lactation. I thought pretty darn well. I actually, you know, my best friend, when she delivered her first son, I actually helped coach her through her first few days um, of breastfeeding um, because I went over when she delivered. So I thought I knew things. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I read an article a while ago that said um, essentially asking the question, what leads to successful breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. You know, they were um, comparing American women and our really abysmal rate of breastfeeding mm-hmm. to um, a group of women in South America who breastfeed phenomenally, like mm-hmm. just, you know, something that they all do. Um, and it boiled down to grandmothers. Oh, it boiled down to your mother, your grandmother. If they were successful, <gasps> hello, baby Z. Yes, <laughs> hi, baby Z. If they were successful at breastfeeding, you were likely to be successful at breastfeeding. Mm. And for me, that was really my experience. Okay. Because professionally, it's in a it's in a black box for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am West Indian. I grew up around women who breastfeed. Mm-hmm. My mother breastfed all her children. I was used to seeing cousins and aunts, you know, and my cousins' girlfriends breastfeeding. Breastfeeding was something that I grew up around, and I just mm-hmm. thought that's how babies ate. Um, I learned to breastfeed in. Uh, a neonatal ICU, mm. right? So my first yeah, child a lot. Was, was a preemie. So um, I'm sitting in a NICU with no shirt on mm-hmm. with a lactation consultant grabbing one side of my breast, my mother shoving a too small baby's head onto oh. my nipple, <laughs> a neonatologist looking to see if the baby's latching. Wow. Um, my husband like standing in the corner being like can I get you something to drink what's happening you know like the whole thing (laughs) was just just like not 
what you would think of as success, something that would lead to successful breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. I literally remember being in the NICU being like, it hurts. Why does it hurt? My mom's like, it's good. Let it happen. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like your mom. Yeah, it does. That does sound like your mom. Is it supposed to hurt? She's like, the baby's eating. Let the baby eat. It will hurt good. And I'm like, oh, my. Like, the whole thing was just this dramatic, you know. And then I've got this, like, hospital-grade pump. And Mm -hmm. I have this this checklist that the lactation consultant is telling me I have to be pumping every two or three hours. Mm -hmm. I can't sleep through the night because not only am I anxious because my kid is in the NICU, but now I have a checklist and I need to be pumping every two and three hours. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was just not (laughs) what you would think of as something that would lead to successful breastfeeding. No, it does not. It was, it was really kind of like, not, I did, I, no, no, I would not suggest anyone learn how to breastfeed that way. But when I got home mm-hmm. and it was just me and the baby and my mom, she taught me how to breastfeed. She taught me how to hold, how to lay, how to squeeze your breast, put your, the nipple in the mouth, mm-hmm. you know, something as simple as like I was breastfeeding. She's like, you ever wonder why the baby doesn't latch very long? I'm like, and she's tiny. She's like, no, because you're smothering her with your massive breast. Look right. at her nose. I was like, oh, she should breathe. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, babies need to breathe. And other yeah. crazy, and other very know, um, And just she really having a woman who successfully breastfed, who was breastfed, whose mother breastfed, mm-hmm. whose grandmother breastfed. You know, like, you know, my family's from a really rural part of Jamaica. They don't, they didn't have tons of formula when you know, for all these generations, it was just something that was ingrained. And my mother really did an excellent, excellent job in passing that down to me to the point that I had such confidence with my second Mm -hmm. that it just clicked, you know, and it just immediately. And I will say that after that NICU experience, after getting home and, and really learning in that relaxed environment, both kids and I took off. Mm. So I had one of those like, you know, beautiful stories about breastfeeding after that. I mean, I had so much milk. I had to buy a freezer, you mm. know, like yeah. everything just, it just it was like glowing except for our pimples. The pimples were horrible. Yeah. The acne, <laughs> the oh my acne God, hormonal acne is, is a trial. You know, um, and I was eating like a two big bowls of ice cream a night um, because I had like, if I mm-hmm. didn't eat it, my the quality of my breast milk would fall off. The baby mm-hmm. would be hungry. I would be hungry. So I just enjoyed my ice cream. I wasn't putting on weight. I mean, like I was mm-hmm. like that, that woman, you know, right. but I do understand that that is not everyone's experience. Yes, that is not everyone's experience. Um, my experience was, was quite different. And like I said, I think it was also different because I went in having had so much education about it. Now, my mom also breastfed me um, for two years. She made a big point. Everyone knew. I knew when I was very young that my mother breastfed all of us, all four of her children for two years. Everyone knows this. Um, And I think it also was partially because my mom is older. You know, my mom was born in 1940. And in her generation, that was just the thing to do. You know, Similac, all those 
companies hadn't really had the hold that they started having in the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies. And so that was the thing, like you breastfed your kids. Um, so, you know, that was what I was expecting to do. And when, you know, baby Z was born, you know, in the OR while they were closing, she actually latched and fed on both breasts. So I thought everything was going to be great. I was like, awesome. This is going to be wonderful. And then, you know, coming home from the C-section and you can't really move because you don't have any ab muscles because I pushed them all to the side. And, you know, her mouth is so tiny and little and you're trying to get this big old nipple in it. And, you know, she had a great latch. Like, and that's the thing. It was like, she had a great latch. I knew all the holds. And yet I was getting to that like third week of like, sleeplessness and exhaustion and I was like what is happening why isn't this the thing also by the third week I had nipple blebs do you know what a Mm. nipple bleb is Mm. it is a bleb of milk in your nipple sounds very painful yes it is trapped under toughened skin so it can't actually get expressed out it just kind of sits there and every time the baby sucks, it just pulls more milk behind it. So it is, it is very painful. So I had nipple blebs, which was one of the things that was a problem. And then I also started just randomly bleeding from my nipple one day. Oh. And I went to lactation consultant and I was like, I'm doing all these holds. And she's like, yeah, it looks like she's doing well. And you know, she's gaining weight. But, and this is the third lactation consultant I went to, she had a tongue tie. Hmm. Because I was like, why does it feel like every time she has my nipple in her mouth that my nipple is being graded like sandpaper? So, and then after, you know, that little situation I was like, they're like, oh, well, you can go get her tongue tie, like clipped. It's super easy. You know, it's not very painful. We can set you up with a pediatrician. You're good. But then everyone's like, well, does she really have a tongue tie? Because, you know, those lactation consultants, they be saying that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have read that that's kind of in vogue now. Yeah, yeah. And... I got her tongue tie corrected when she was about six or seven weeks. And I, that first latch after her tongue tie was corrected, brought tears to my eyes because it was so less painful. Like I had not experienced such comfort breastfeeding before. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. For as much as I was worried that I was marring my child forever just for my comfort. How dare I? Um, so it was, it was, you know, I really feel like the biggest thing that you need other than apparently grandparents, if you didn't have grandparents that breastfed is just fortitude. Like you, it really just like, it is just a thing of like, just stick with it. Like, it is. And I think just like, stick with it. Doesn't the data say that most, most. American women who try to breastfeed kind of stop around two weeks. 
21 days. 21 days. When Medela actually sent me like a notification when it was like, you made it past 21 days. Most people quit by now. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I always tell people when they ask me about it, they're like, what do you mean? It hurts so bad. And I'm like, it's going to hurt for a couple of weeks until, mm-hmm. and no one likes when I say this, your nipple becomes dead. <laughs> it, 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 the skin gets a little harder. The, the sensation deadens a little bit. And then after that, just, just push through, just push through the first two, three weeks, just like, um, but I think it's really hard if you are the first one or, or the only one setting that expectation for yourself. Like I have a mother who was just like, it's going to hurt. And that's the way it is. And just be, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, but she's like, you'll be fine. And one of the hilarious things is like, when I went into my, um, my doc after the, uh, with, for my postpartum follow-up with my nipple blebs. And I was like, dude, take it. Take a nine blade, take an 11 blade to it. Let's do it. Take an 11 blade. And she's like, are you sure you want me to take an 11 blade to your nipple? Which is like the super, super pointing one that looks mm-hmm. sharp. The one where you're just yeah. like, ah, that looks terrible. And I'm like, yes, do it. And she's like, oh, wow, this really hurts, doesn't it? I'm like, uh-huh. And so she's like with the 11 blade in my nipple. And she's like, am I hurting you? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm fine. And then she did it again. She's like, am I hurting you? I'm like, no, nah, I'm fine. She's like, Wow okay, you're on a whole nother level now. You're just at a whole nother level of <laughs> of, of nipple sensation. It's like, yeah. You yeah. just gotta push. That's what I tell people. The other thing I was not ready through. for, let down. Ooh. Those just hurt. I let cannot... down feels like pins and needles. It feels like, for me, and apparently it doesn't happen for all people, but for me, my let down feels like I've fell asleep on my boobies for like four days and now all that sensation is trying to flood back at once mm-hmm. and I was not prepared I did not I know I went online I was like what is this what is this why why every time my child cries my nipples hurt and and, <laughs> and everyone was like oh honey it's just your letdown it's okay my yeah my mom would say like that's just the baby telling you she's hungry I'm like for me, what it felt like was someone taking um, like Freddy Krueger claws and going down my my breast. Like it just felt like this scratching, burning thing. And I was like, what is that? What is that? Um, and I was like, that's just your letdown. That's just the baby letting you know she's hungry. And I'm like, okay. Uh, the what, what got me or <clears throat> excuse me, what surprised me was the thirst reflex. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't put together why every time the baby latched, it only happened with latching. It never happened with pumping. I would just, my mouth would turn to, to just desert. It would just be like cotton mouth. And I'd be like, I need all the water, all the water. Um, yeah. So there's a ton of things that you just like, don't know until you you're in it and you're you're experiencing it and things go great or things don't go well at all um 
I, I got one clogged duct once. Mm. Um, and like it was really on, it was on the side. It was really painful. I was at work at the time. And um, so I went on my breastfeeding group to kind of look at, you know, what clogged ducts. And they were talking about dangle feeding. So when you just like dangle your booby? Yeah. So you lean over the baby so that your breast is dangling fully to gravity and you hmm. feed that way. And at this point, I had tried warm compress and massage and pumping and all this stuff. So I was like, I'll try this dangle breathe, you know, and mm-hmm. it worked. And I, when I say that it worked, it felt like something like popped, released when it, when it did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, look at that. Who knew? Who knew? So I would suggest that you form a community of people who are going to be supportive of you when you're breastfeeding, not just mothers and grandmothers. Um, but for me, um, the um what's the name of our group uh black, black moms who who breastfeed, breastfeeding black, breastfeeding. black moms breastfeeding black breastfeeding moms something like that um, yeah. that was the first fe- facebook group that i ever joined um and i i originally went thinking that you know i could ask all these questions and get all this information but what i actually found more was like humor you oh, know yeah. people sharing funny videos and funny memes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then I found that I could be helpful in certain ways because a, a lot of the women in that group are often the first women breastfeeding in their family for a very long time or younger women. Um, and then I found that I enjoyed being supportive of other women, you know? Um, and so I would say, be a part of a community, find the, find your community because you're going to have all sorts of questions. Every question from where to, where to buy a bra mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to, to um, should I be eating these lactation cookies? Mm-hmm. Which the answer is no. Right. <laughs> like try really hard to, to avoid all of those exogenous meaning outside of your body stimulators for breast milk. Because if you're giving your body external things that are not the baby to stimulate breast milk, when those things go away, you're not going to be able to keep up your own production. Exactly. So the only thing you should need is the baby. Latch the baby. Put the baby on the booby. Latch the baby. Sometimes a pump helps. Mm -hmm. Once you're already established. And hydration. That's the other biggest thing I always tell folks is water 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 yeah you know like i notice immediately like if i forget one bottle of water it's like oh wait (laughs) now now nothing's a little bit drier let's 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 (laughs) yeah yeah you definitely speaking of clogged ducts you know i am one of those people who i have both fortunate in that my milk is super fatty oh good but also unfortunate in that it clogs my ducts always. Mm, ow. Okay. Always. So one of the things I learned from my um, lactation consultant was sunflower lecithin. It's a supplement. Mm-hmm. You take 1200, uh, 1,200 milligrams. I take two twice a day and I don't get clogged. Interesting. 
I don't get clogged. And I notice, like, if I forget one, because sometimes I've been trying to taper down, then I immediately get clogged to the point where I actually, I actually took one of my old vibrators I was getting ready to recycle and use that on the booby because I was like, you know what? This has not touched anything unusual in quite a while. Um, and it is clean. I was getting ready to recycle it anyway. And what they sell, they sell these vibrating, heating breast massagers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I already own this. I might as well use it. And it was great. Upcycle. Upcycle, man. Hello. Yeah, she's bored now. She got finished and she's bored now. So do you have a goal for how long you would like to try? So my goal is at least 18 months and we'll see how things go. Um, you know, my mom says, yeah, I breastfed everyone for two years. And so, you know, I think two years would be, you know, lovely if that's what we decide. Um, I know the stories I've heard from other folks is that sometimes kids are just like, okay, done now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so, you know, my, my personal goal would be 18 months and we'll see where we go from there. Kiddo number one was just like, at eight months just kidding I'm done with you like like I would try and press it and she would like play with it and then just chomp no and then she'd laugh but she would never she would never laugh she was just like I'm done with this it's like let's do the food now I want yogurt that was her thing (laughs) I want I want vanilla or plain yogurt I'm done with this um, and then my mom was like, that's so funny because at eight months you were like, I'm done with this. You just gave it up. Um, baby number two, I got to about a week shy of a year. Um, and it was the same thing. She was bite starting to bite and it wasn't, you know, like that helpful for the two of us anymore. And right. then, then I started getting, you know, like the skin would get all gross Mm -hmm. from being bitten and And like flake off yeah it was not good so I was like okay this is done and I thought I thought that she would protest more but she really didn't I had a much harder time Mm -hmm. stopping the with that one the first one that just kind of went away Mm -hmm. wasn't as bad but the second one when I stopped breastfeeding oh my goodness like the pain Mm -hmm. was very intense for I, a few days. I have definitely heard that it is uncomfortable that 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 next hormonal shift is can make the the breast very uncomfortable. So, you know, I um you know, so far it's a great journey. You know, th- I think there's something to be said for knowing that this is, you know, as they say, my first, my last, my everything. <laughs> Um, you know, because, you know, I unabashedly take pictures and video of her while she's breastfeeding. Like, you know, I'm really kind of just reveling in this time that we are doing that. I only have one picture of me breastfeeding a kid and it was like a random other person took it. Mm. It wasn't, she's not very random, but it wasn't me. It wasn't. And I see like these 
women who have like these beautiful breastfeeding um photo shoots but i'm not a photo shoot type person yeah so. yeah all of these are randomly like there's there's one where you know all of these are when she's done things i even think are cute or hilarious like there's one where her eyes are open and she's got like both hands around the boob like this boob <laughs> is mine it's my boob they get very they get very very uh attached and yes. <laughs> yeah uh and um territorial about the whole thing yeah especially like my kids were exclusively breastfed for six mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. um i wouldn't say that there was some supplementation in the in the NICU because i wasn't really producing right. and she was teeny tiny and then mm-hmm. you know but like outside of that you know um we had made the decision uh, and again, this is a cultural thing that we don't breast do anything other than breast milk for six months. Mm-hmm. And so it was something that I decided to to continue to do. Uh, at first, admittedly, my husband was kind of like, oh, you know, four months. But the data really also kind of goes back and forth between six right. and four months. Right. And I think WHO is on at six months right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, six months. You know, and so, you know, we stuck with six months. And like they they are real territorial <laughs> they will that those are my movies it's mine. It's mine. yeah i remember one time facetiming with my mom and then the baby like crawls up and just pulls my shirt down with two hands <laughs> and i was like well i'm gonna let you go but okay yeah <laughs> yeah the it, it's actually very hilarious now because so i'm i'm back at work and it's that's interesting because mm-hmm. now I'm having the fun experience of, of trying to pump. And um, it's nice because Stefan can actually bring her in um, on some of the days and I can actually feed her and like pump on the other side. So that's really nice. But occasionally I'll be in a meeting and I'm just like, look, it's a meeting. We're just doing this thing. You know, y'all knew I had a, a, a four month old and it's also helpful because she's adorable um and she charms everyone so you know she will just hang out in meetings and you know when she needs to feed she'll feed and the funny part is that you know i'll be in the meeting you know and i'll have like the double shirt like you know a tank top and then like another shirt so it's kind of covered and then she's got the other hand just like lifting the shirt it's like sorry you're not you're not helping here like we're trying to be discreet yeah the the playing with the other hand um twiddling does she do that (laughs) She doesn't twiddle. Oh, did not enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> but she does right now. She she just figured out that she can latch, unlatch, and relatch. So there's a lot of like on off, on off, mm-hmm. on yeah. I'm off again. And yeah. it's like and it's like kid, like you know, come on, like we're not gonna do this all day. I'm like, are you really happy? Are you really gonna eat? And then she'll give me a big smile, like, yeah, I'm gonna eat. Yeah, or for two laugh. minutes. When they're on the breast and they start laughing, and that just makes me laugh too. That's yes. like the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. the, the breastfeeding smiles. I would have to remind my children that on the end of that nipple is a human. Please do not um, pull it as if it is elastic. <laughs> Release, then turn your head. Release, then turn. Yeah, yeah. the like. Oh, there's something over there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am I am not looking forward to the the teeth situation. Um I know you know it happens to everyone at some point just the they're going to get teeth and 
you know, mom always likes to tell me that I used to like to teeth on her nipple. Mm. And, and so I, that part I am not looking forward to, but you know, it's overall, I think it's, it's, it's such, even though like, you know, the, the downside of sunflower lecithin is that it can make depression worse. So that sucked. Um, yeah. Um, so you know, but even with like having to be on supplements and having nipple blebs and having let down that, you know, has like pins and needles and shocks, like it's still such a great experience. Like I would not, I would not give it yeah, up. I loved it. Speaking of, of supplements, I did take supplements. Um, I continued taking, and I think it's important people remember this, continue taking your prenatal vitamins. Yes. Um, but I required um, a hefty dose of calcium supplements. Mm. So that was something else my mother told me. She was like, you better take your calcium because it's going to hit your teeth and your bones. And then I was like, okay, crazy lady. But no, I started getting by like month four of breastfeeding. Number one, I started getting um, joint pain, mm. like my wrists and my elbows. And at first I took it as like, oh, it's just the fact that I'm holding the baby all sorts of ways. Right. Um, and then I started getting just random tooth pain. Um, mm. And then, then like knee pain. And I mentioned it to my mom and she's like, you take your calcium. And I was like, yeah, mom. Um, no, but I guess I could try. Uh-huh. And I will tell you, I like a double dose of the regular cal, what you should be taking for calcium <laughs> for a couple months. And all the pain went away and it was amazing. Nice. So soon when I, um, delivered the second one I like made sure I had my big old bottle of calcium and vitamin D supplements from um whatchamacallit from Target mm-hmm. and took a double and double dose never had a problem um with those pains again but I also think we should talk about vitamin D yes that's what I was gonna say the one so the other supplement I'm on I actually take uh b12 because b12 actually also helps with the painful letdown mm-hmm. um so I do B12 and I do my sunflower lecithin and then I do take 4,000 milligrams of vitamin D. Units. Units, sorry, international units. Yes, yeah. I use. Yes. So why do you take that? I think this is a really important discussion because it's something that I see crops up a lot on our breastfeeding group because mm-hmm. a lot of the women in our group are really torn about vitamin D. Yes. So if you use treat kits, right? Yes, I do. And and um, what is the line about supplementing breastfed kids with vitamin D? So the thing is, is that the one of the problems is that the literature has gone back and forth a lot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So originally there was literature that said, so if you're taking 4,000 IUs or more daily, then there's enough excreted in your breast milk that you shouldn't have to supplement. And then another study came out and said, actually, no, you need to take 10,000 and it'll be excreting your blessed milk. And then another one came out and said, well, actually, it doesn't matter how much you're supplementing. There's not enough in your breast milk to get to the 400 I use that you need to have. You should just use drops. Right. So I am a split the middler. So I have vitamin D drops that I sometimes do remember to put into her bottles when I'm pumping for when I'm at work. And I try and get, I get 4,000 I use on a daily basis. So I do both because one, I don't always remember to give her vitamin D drops mm-hmm. realistically. Yeah. And then, 
you know, number two, you know, if it does work this way, if you can get through the milk, I would prefer it. So. So I also split the difference. Um, having a preemie NICU with number one, I followed their rules and regulations to the T. So she got her supplement um, daily, mm-hmm. you know, the little drop. And it's a teeny tiny great flavor. It's so tiny. Drop that, you know, really I just could put one one little drop in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, then with my second one, I read the literature. And I was thinking of the reason why is because I was supplementing so much vitamin D with my calcium anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to mismatch it. So I wanted to make sure I was getting enough vitamin D for the amount of calcium that I was taking. And I was like, well, I'm taking a ton of this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. how much more do I really need to take? So I settled on the 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was taking 10,000 units of vitamin D, mm-hmm. which required me to buy a separate vitamin D supplement in addition yep. to the um calcium that I was taking um and every so often when I would remember or like if I saw it in the cabinet I'd be like oh yeah I still got those drops (laughs) come here baby (laughs) (laughs) give her a drop um and I think for me it I felt like it made a difference in in how I felt Oh yeah, taking that much vitamin D. Oh yeah, like I think at baseline, people don't realize how like vitamin D deficient we are. Everyone is. Yeah, I have in all the people I've checked for vitamin D levels because whenever people say, "Oh, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I'm depressed," I always check a vitamin D level with their basic things. Only one or two times. (laughs) Yeah, and I've been a doctor, y'all for like over five years, like only one or two times has it ever come back adequate, which means a vitamin D level at 20. And what we know is most people need to get up to 50 in order to feel good. Yeah. And so I just took that much because I liked how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, hey, maybe the baby's getting some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, yeah, I couldn't really make up my mind on what the literature said. So I just was like, I'm gonna do this thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, I'm married to a man who believes that vitamins lead to expensive urine. That is also a factor. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so he just kind of, um, rolls his eyes at my vitamins, but I will say that I started supplementing early in, in my breastfeeding with number two. And I felt like it made a really big difference. Not only that, but we're brown. Let's face it. Like, even if we go out in the sun, it's going to be harder for us to get vitamin D anyway. Like, you know, I actually started supplementing vitamin D, just a thousand I use when I started residency. Because I'm like, I'm not going to see the sun. (laughs) So, you know, I, I honestly think that, you know, it is very reasonable for any person who has any type of melanin to start supplementing anyone who works a desk job to supplement, you know, basically anyone who's not a park ranger. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think vitamin D supplementation is totally reasonable. Yeah. But, you know, especially if you are fighting to feed another person from your body. And I will acknowledge that there is a certain amount of little tiny pride that you get when you realize like how big your child has gotten. And you're like, that is, that is all me. Like literally that is all my body producing the things that is allowing her to grow. 
That is that is kind of amazing. Yeah. Kind of fabulous. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's great. Um, now I'm sure that um, someone's going to listen to this and and I know breastfeeding is a hard topic for people. Um, I didn't know you knew this because you know things I don't know, but like, um, uh, what's the phrase? Is it a lactivist or a breastivist? Is a is a dirty word? Someone who's like an yeah. activist for? Yes. So like I saw yes. a T-shirt that was like lactivist, and I was like, maybe I get that to you. And then I saw that like it's like a dirty word that people kind of throw around um, to say that someone who's really pushing right um, breastfeeding. Um, so um, I always start off saying fed babies first. Yeah. We want, that we is want, best. We, we want babies to be fed. That is the most important thing that your baby is fed. And we do know that, you know, supplementing is with formula formula has adequate nutrition formula mm -hmm. saves lives every day yes. Yes. i will never say that we should not have any kind of formula ever you know because formula saves lives every day i i acknowledge and i'm glad it exists you know if you are can if you are able if that works with your mind spirit and body to breastfeed that is great you know if for some reason you can't that's okay whether that is physical mental or emotional it's okay i've had patients who are like i really really need to breastfeed like i i want to breastfeed i need to breastfeed but the fact that they couldn't see how much their child was getting oh yeah like that just like that that, that, there. Yeah. that had so much anxiety over not being able to see that they got so many ounces that it's a mom who just ended up pumping the whole time. And that was fine. She pumped for six months. It was great. I was like, you know, you do you that's, you know, if that's what, if you need to do that, that's fine. If you're a person who was like, well, I really tried pumping, but then, you know, my supply just fell off. That's okay too. Fed babies are the most important thing. Yes. Yes. You I know. want I want us to come away from that. You don't yeah, I hear all sorts of things people say and do and it, nothing should shame anybody. I I support breastfeeding because it worked for me because it is culturally important to me. Um, it's free. It is free. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's free. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other topic too. Um, <laughs> but um, and, I also, sorry. Yeah. I also just want to recognize that our country does not support breastfeeding. The fact that most people have to go back to work after six weeks or less when we know it takes four months to establish a good breastfeeding pattern yeah. makes it extraordinarily hard to breastfeed in mm -hmm. America specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And and you should, you're supposed to be feeding on demand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I took four months off for both of my kids. Um, and I understand that that is a luxury though. It was tough at times. It's a luxury that I have. Mm -hmm. A lot of women don't. 
-hmm. you know, um, and you are right. Like it took four months to really get into that. You know, because there were days where I would joke that I just sat around the couch watching Golden Girls with no top. Yeah. Because, like, the baby just on and off and on and off and on and off and on mm-hmm. and off. Um, or, you know, I would just be a human pacifier. And be like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I would go, I went back to work and both times within two months, my supply mm-hmm. tanks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what else? is going to happen. I'm I'm not able to sleep the way I need to. I'm not able to relax with the baby. I don't have the baby with me to have that biofeedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to get in between seeing patients and, you know, and, and I told Marguerite this story that my very first day back after baby number one, I did not pump mm-hmm. at all for my whole 12 hours I was Ooh. at work. Because I was like trying to prove to myself that I could just get back in this. And then, and when I got home, I was so engorged, I couldn't move my neck. Mm-hmm. Like from, my platysma was mm-hmm. in pain. And that's the mm-hmm. big muscle that covers your neck. Um, and your, um, what's a fancy word for this? Your decollete. Yes. <laughs> your decollete. Your upper chest. <laughs> you know, um, I couldn't move. I literally couldn't. And then um, my husband at the time was like, you were, you were late and the baby was crying. So I gave her some, some um, breast milk in the bottle. And so the baby's all happy and jiggly full of milk. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll pump. And I forgot my pump at work. Mm-hmm. And I drove back to work in tears because mm-hmm. the pain was so bad. And by that time, I'm just leaking all over myself. And so I like bust into the, the lactation room, like, not caring who's there. But luckily it's like nine o'clock at night at that point in time. And I'm like ripping my clothes up and I'm like, must pump massive milks, you know? <laughs> so the moral of the story is don't not pump. <laughs> right. That stuff really hurts. And you have to pump, you have to move milk to make milk. Mm-hmm. And that's how my supply drops off when I go back to work is because slowly, little by little, I stop doing it every three hours because I got patients. I got to get through. I got to get home. Mm-hmm. I want to be at home. Um, you know, I also would like to eat a sandwich, you know, and he, there's if there is a woman who can do the thing that the commercials show or they're not commercials, you know, the little ads with Oh, oh like, yeah, the ads with the woman. The woman has like this bra uh-huh. on with the breastfeeding, the pumping apparatus sticking out, right? And then her and laptop and her laptop and she's smiling. She's like, ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pumping and I'm working and I'm efficient because I'm an American woman and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy and I'm enjoying yeah. this because it's what and I want to do. No, that didn't happen. Not to me. First of all, those bras don't fit right. Okay. And as it pumps, it migrates. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> the apparatus is like moving, but your breast isn't moving. So you're like, what's happening here? Is this going to spill? Sure enough, something spills or falls off. And and then um, you're crying over spilled milk, literally, because you're like, no, my child, but this is, this is my child's nutrition. Dude, I, I, I was off the pump today and I dropped a few drops and I was just like, no. No, I, I never spilled milk, but I have left it out. Mm. 
Oh yeah. Um, and then I just turn it into bath milk. Mm. Yeah. It's, nice. Yeah. yeah. It helps with the the dry skin eczema situation that oh, the yeah. babies may have. You know. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no. And then my my job didn't have a computer for me to just smile at and, you know, chart. Mm-hmm. So I, I told you I I would just be like, well, I guess I'll watch Mess and L. Like, <laughs> like just gonna be I in will- this room. I will say your story inspired me to make sure that I have not one, but two hand pumps at home (laughs) because I have a haka, which if anyone is wondering, a haka is a one piece silicone pump that works on basic suction, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. I love it. It's what I use on the opposite side of Zara almost every time I pump. It's amazing. And then on the other side, um, I have like an actual like manual like pumpy pump, but I only have two because of Monique's story, because I was like, that is not happening to me. I'm having a backup. I am so happy that I can use my ridiculous life to teach others. Like a girlfriend of mine was telling me that when she was giving birth, all she could think to herself was, don't be bad at giving birth like Monique. my story of being like it just all you know was there was no like calm to it it was a lot of like i need an epidural why is the epidural not here like the whole thing just like (laughs) fell apart the first time because it there was this three-day induction and then Mm -hmm. like the second time i was like we should take a class on breast and on birthing i was like i've given birth he's like (laughs) yeah you were bad at that and i was like don't tell me that and then it turns out the second time I was also bad at that. So she told me, she was like, the whole time I just kept thinking, don't be bad at this like Monique. <laughs> be calmer. Be nicer to everybody. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so glad that I can teach you <laughs> what not to do. So if I can help you avoid pitfalls through the stories of my ridiculous life, I am here for that. Yes. Well, you know, is there, I know that we're going to try and get back into the swing of this and I'm very excited to talk about the New York times article. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple be, other articles I want to supplement yeah. it with. Um, it's part of the reason why I didn't want to talk about it today. Cause I wanted to make sure that I like got my, my yes. stuff in a row. So we yes. Talk about physician well-being. Yes, I'm excited to talk about that as our next kind of endeavor because it is huge. I think the rest of the nation has finally started figuring out that having the people who's supposed to be taking care of your health not want to do and burn out is a bad thing for the health of the nation. So um, I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Um, I think, you know, Otherwise, the the only other exciting thing I've learned from all the CMEs I did on my maternity leave was the fact that um, there was a study that showed if you have arthritis and you are over 65, there is a way for you to be pain-free. So first of all, I'm really impressed that you did CMEs during um, maternity leave. That's like what I got from this. You see my face? Because let me tell you what I did during maternity leave. I watched the whole series of Felicity. Oh, okay. And the Golden Girls. Yes. I mean, 
I'm I'm way more excited for the Golden Girls and Frankie, and um, Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. I am still. I watching watched Grace a lot of elderly women having love lives. Evidently, it's it is marvelous. I love Grace and Frankie. I'm still watching it. It's great. Oh yeah, I love that show. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's good that you did see in these. Yeah. Um. Okay. So how can you be pain free as an elderly person with arthritis? If you actually work with physical activity and diet and lose on average 15 pounds to get within a normal BMI range, you are going to be pain free. Motion is lotion. Yep. Right. Motion is lotion and getting the weight off. And it was really interesting. This particular CME guy was like, you can actually do it. And everyone was like, yeah, I'm going to tell my 70-year-old patient that you just need to get off your ass. And they're going to laugh at me and be like, where is my naproxen prescription? And he was like, that may be true. However, there will be some who are truly motivated, who Mm -hmm. actually want to be pain-free and letting them know that, hey, there is a way to be pain-free should you actually want to do it. Is worth something. So I'm I'm assuming this is arthritic knees and back, hip. So most the common weight yep. supporting joints, not yep. like wrists yeah. and fingers. Right. right. Yeah. Awesome. Also, that's awesome. the reason why old why old people aren't supposed to have kids because like Stefan's carpal tunnel is all crazy. I got tenosynovitis in my thumb, both thumbs. Please stop referring to, to the two of you as old. I'm like, this is why old people are supposed to have kids. You're supposed to have kids Stop in your it. 20s. <laughs> I've done too I'm much too broke. injury. I'm too broke to have children in my 20s. I'm still too broke to have children in my 30s. Though. Um, I'd agree with that being too broke situation. Um, however, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it, it you you have to poop or get off the pot at some point. So yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, um, Maybe in another venue we can talk about the cost of childcare. Um, maybe in another venue we can talk about the fact that America is a terrible place to have children. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm not arguing. I feel yeah. like we pay a lot of lip service to a lot of things. Yeah. And when it comes down to um, actually doing the things that are necessary to support a populace like raise yeah. that populace it's a lot more difficult than than um the lip service would lead one to believe yes. you know you yeah. won't you won't hear me arguing there because i have two cousins one um outside of who lives outside of toronto right they both actually live outside of toronto yeah you talked about your cousin in in canada yeah one had a baby seven days before me or 11 mm-hmm. days before me and she got a whole year off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other one, um, you know, had a baby a few days um, before me as well for my second one. Mm-hmm. And in addition to having her here off, um, she was, it was her second child as well. She was discharged home within the 24 hours, but she had a nurse in her house. Yeah. You know, there to help her transition home. Meanwhile, I go home after a C-section and I'm mm-hmm. like, so I guess I lived in the guest room on the first floor because I can't mm-hmm. go up the stairs. 
<laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, two very, very different experiences having um watching my cousins have kids and my friends have kids um yeah. Or, yeah, my one of my friends from Peace Corps who lives in Finland and you know, there they can actually get up to three years off, but the average is eighteen months. And she decided to go back to work at 10 months and everyone at her job was like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? I mean, your baby is so young. They're only 10 months old. They're not fully weaned yet. You know, this is such a, and I'm like at, to have, and, and that's one of the things that's always amazed me when you have a work community that's like, are you sure you want to go back to work at eight, at well, 10 months because it's so soon versus I also hear I was I I will acknowledge I was privileged to have 17 weeks off and everyone was like wow that's amazing and it's sad mm. it's sad that that is amazing well medicine have- is probably one of the most backwards professions when it comes to these things we write all these papers and say all these things that we should be doing for our health and I I know female physicians who one woman was telling me she went into labor. She's a surgeon. Mm -hmm. She went into labor doing post-op rounds, Mm. finished her rounds. Yep. Gave gave birth. And another surgeon was like, so uh, did you get to write for that co-lace? Like, you know what I mean? Like they came to her to, to ask more. And she's like, are you serious? Like you can't, um, Kevin MD, you read some of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. He, yeah, he he features a few female physicians every so often about their experiences, you know. Um, and and it's not just like women who have babies. It's not just cisgendered mm-hmm. straight women who are having yeah. babies. Um, and it's not just having a child growing your family does not just mean that you push something out of your uterus, right? right? Like, how do we support people who adopt children? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I went to a mother's group once um, because I never found the time to go back. Um, But there was a woman there with an adopted child. Mm -hmm. um, And I was really happy to see her in in the mother's group um, because she's also going through becoming a new mom Mm-hmm. the way we are but in a very different way and yeah. i don't know how those people are supported you know in different jobs and aspects mm-hmm. how is that viewed you know um our our male colleagues oh yeah do, what time if any do they get off mm-hmm. um my husband took three months off for each of our kids mm. and i will tell you again it's um a it's luxury really we could afford. Mm-hmm. It was tough because a lot of that was unpaid time. Mm-hmm. But we made that decision. And to watch him bond with the kids and mm-hmm. just that is just amazing. Yeah. You know, but people don't have that luxury and and, and I would not have survived either births mm-hmm. without him being around. I would not have survived being on bed rest, her being in the NICU without him being around. I would not have survived, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a C-section coming home and then the right? baby getting RSV 
at yeah. day seven um, mm. without him being around, you know? Um, yeah. And then, you know, a lot of lower income people just, they just don't, they just they don't, don't have that capability. Right. Um, so yeah, perhaps in another venue, we'll have um, yeah. a time, time and way to talk about this. Can you hear me yes. cracking my knuckles? I hear you. That. It's okay. Well, I mean, Hey, I had a baby who was like grabbing and kicking the mic. So <laughs> He's asleep now. But yeah, Baby Z was all up on that mic like, ah, I can grab this. It's like, uh, no, no, you can't. Just Oh, I'm excited for when she starts walking. Oh, <laughs> dude. This small person, she already, it's amazing to watch her. I'm like, you are too young to have frustration from like, you know, to have like a low tolerance to frustration. Like I watch her trying to like roll over and she gets angry. She's like, ah, yeah. like, I was like, what? Like, like, come on. It's your big, like you're too young to have frustration at difficult tasks, child. Come on. Come no, on. Number two is um, starting to speak a lot more clearly. Huh? And the two words that come up the most clear are no and mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine. Mine. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> So, so I'm like, I'm like, yep. so many opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Whose fault is that? Well, you know, I'm trying to raise, I keep trying to remember myself. I want to raise them for the person they need to be at 22, and Absolutely. 32, 42. And, you know, if that means that at two, <laughs> they yell at me um, because they are learning to be independent, yes. you know. Not at 12, though. Don't talk back at 12. That's, mm. That's just being fresh. <laughs> yes. As a, you know, it's always because I'm reading, I'm listening to Michelle Obama's book. That's my bedtime breastfeeding, like middle of the night breastfeeding She's book. She's very soothing in that book, isn't she? Oh, my goodness. Her voice is great. But like listening to this whole like moms have it all trying to do all the things and choices we make i'm like i'm really glad i chose this to listen as i'm going back to work because it's kind of like exactly what i need to hear but also just the idea of we're raising you we're we're not raising children we're raising you to be adults yeah i had to yeah that's my goal yeah well perhaps we'll find that on our venue yeah yeah maybe we'll have like the tired doctors talking book club Thank <laughs> you.